Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Post Lunch. My name is Anthony Zhen, and I'm here with the very jovial, jovial Kevin Hockenberry. Fly, Eagles, fly. Nice. Well, today, um, we have a little bit of a pre-lunch. Yes. We're not going to do the rebrand. Okay. It's post-lunch. That's fair. Pre-lunch on post-lunch. Okay. Um, we had to go pip- pick up a baptism tank. Yes. That we borrowed from this church. Hashtag church planting. Yeah. Do people still do that? I don't know. Okay. Um, if you didn't know, and this is your first time listening to our podcast, um, Pastor Kevin is a church planter. What would that make me? You're a church planter. A gardener? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you tend. Okay. Um, and so we uh, we had baptisms this past Sunday, and we didn't have a baptism tank, so we had to borrow one, which brought us to a certain part of our city. Uh, Winter Park, actually. Yeah, yeah we don't, by I-4. Yeah, we don't normally go that way. It's it's 20 minutes away, 25? Yeah, so for lunch, it's like a little bit out of, out of, the, out of the way. But when you're in that part of the neighborhood, yes. there's a... A few good spots. Three rivers. Four rivers? It's four rivers, but we didn't go there. We didn't go there. Where did we go? We went to Hunger Street Tacos. Hey! <laughs> you guys, listen. We had a conversation about this um, while we were eating Hunger Street Tacos, and you you asked a question about, is Mexican food my favorite yeah. out of all of the foods? I know it is. And it is. I know it is. And I love it. You're a taco guy. You love chorizo. Yeah, I love nachos. I love burritos. I think you can burrito-fy and taco-fy almost any food group. Yeah. Anyways, so this place is kind of bougie. You think so? Yeah, it's um, not in like how the experience is, right. but the the dishes are elevated. They're very good. I, I do agree. They're very good. Yeah. And so um, do you remember what you ordered? I had something that was not very good. Um, <laughs> it was just okay. They did. I had a um, chicken quesadilla. I just went like basic. This is everything's a la carte, by the way. Yeah. So it's, it's like it's like going. What's that fast food restaurant up in uh, North Carolina? Uh, uh, cookout. Okay. Yeah. So it's like everything's kind of a la carte, right? And so you kind of can get a this and a that. And so I got a um, uh, chicken quesadilla, but they used kind of like that shredded chicken, and the chicken was not flavored all that great. Hmm. So it was okay. But also, oh, I had I also had a tamale. Yeah. With pork. Okay, that was banging. So (laughs) here's the thing, guys, you easily, easily are spending over $20 per person at this place. You can if you're hungry. Yeah. And so I've been there before as you have also. Yes. And the fact that you only got a quesadilla and a tamale was like, are you okay? Bro, that was $13. I know, but I was scared for you. Like what? What were you? That was not enough food for a man of your size. What is that supposed to mean? I I (laughs) I just feel like. My daughters would eat that amount of food. I can see that. It wasn't even a big quesadilla. It was like it was like an, it was like an eight an eight inch like yes. round that yeah. they folded in half. Anyways, I got three tacos plus the tamale. You were raving about one in particular, bro. It was, and and then we went back and got more of this one. Yeah, no. I wanted the al pastor tacos. Yeah, they don't have them anymore. They didn't have no. They just didn't have them that day. Oh, okay. And uh, so they're like, yeah, we don't have that. And I was like, okay, well, then let me get this one. They're like, oh, we're out of that. I was like, yeah, I hate that. What? Like, these are the most popular tacos that you guys have. How are you out of that? That's probably why they don't have them. Maybe. Ooh, but we were there like, we, but we were there at like regular lunchtime, like whatever. Yes. So he's like, you know, I recommend you get this rib taco. I was like, throw it on there. Right. And then I got these two other ones and they, they were fine. Yeah. But that rib taco. Yeah. It came on this. Right, hold t- on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> play the song. You got to play the song. All right. It came on this tortilla, and all the tortillas are handmade. Yes. And it was like there was it was like green. 
there was like some green. T- I don't even know what you. But like green in a good way. Yeah. Okay. And 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 so when you like, if you just t- take a bite of the tortilla by itself, it right. was so flavorful. The corn was so like. Yeah. Forward, right? I remember the bone gently slid out of the rib. You had to pull the bone yes. out of the rib. And there, and there it was. It, you had a, a single rib in there, and then there were these toasted papitas in there, mm-hmm. and then there was cilantro, mm-hmm. and then this green sauce, bro. Yeah. And when you slid that bone out and you just put it to the side and you took that bite, it was like you got the crunch of the papita. Yeah. You had the smooth softness of that meat. Yeah. The forward mesa of the tortilla. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So good. So what we're saying is if you ever find yourself in Winter Park over by I-4, yes. um, get yourself some Hunger Street Taco. It's it's worth the trip. And then, so then we circled back because I was still a little hungry. Yes. <laughs> and I got us those uh, smashed potatoes. They were called Mexican smashed potatoes? Yes. They were good. And you said a sentence. <laughs> you said, it doesn't matter what was before that. Right. Anything smashed potatoes is going to be right. fine. Right. Irish smashed potatoes. Yeah. Chinese smashed potatoes. It doesn't matter. It's going to be good. Yeah. It's gonna be good. So we have a special guest today. Can I do the introduction? Hey, the floor is yours now. I would like to say this is the very first time we have a guest here on our show. So this is a big deal. This is, is this episode nine? This is episode 10. Is it 10? Wow. Post lunch X. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. Um, I uh, met this young man uh, many years ago uh, down in Broward County, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And um, we have, a, yeah, we have a, um, quite a story. We won't be able to get into a lot of that today. We'll have to do that another time. But um, when I was in a bad place in life, gave my life to Jesus, uh, the Lord sent John Hernandez into my life. And uh, he really came alongside me as a friend, uh, even though we were the same, are the same age. He really was a mentor to me at that time and just uh, walked uh, life and, and, and helped me uh, as I was, you know, coming off of, you know, all kinds of drugs and partying. And that was used to be my life. And uh, so John has just been a very close friend of mine. He is married to Jessica. And this works out great because Jessica, John's wife, is also best friends with my wife, Stacy. Look at that. So we've done like some vacationing and stuff together. Yeah, this isn't one of those deals where it's like, man, I really want to hang out with John. But gosh, man, his wife's a drag. <laughs> Aren't you happy yes. about that? And, and she's so much smarter than me too, you know? She, like, she's smarter than you. Uh, she's smarter than most. Yeah. yeah. Than most. Yeah, she's one of those sneaky, sneaky smart people. She's I a mean, principal, right? She doesn't wear it. Okay. Right. You sit down and conversate you like, oh, dang. Yeah. There's some depth. Yeah, there are times where I get into a conversation with her. I'm like, I'm, I'm just going to sit over here for a little yeah. while. <laughs> I'm going to put myself in timeout. Yeah, I, I got outgunned. Absolutely. I got outgunned here. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, um, but just before we move on. Yes. So I'm from Charlotte. It's where I've yes. home base is. And we just found a new taco spot right around the corner. It's <gasps> called Gay Fresca. Really? Dude, Yo. A little bougie. Again, like 20 bucks. And you're like, what? But they have me and my wife go in there every Wednesday night. Now. Every yeah, Wednesday, night. that's huge. That's a huge thing to say. Huge. Yeah, and I'm not that guy. Like, right. I like that's a commitment. Yeah. They have a corn rib. I know you probably. Corn I mean, rib. you've heard. Of I've this. seen this on it's social just media. A, a corn on a cob that they cut a certain way. Because the economy is wild. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, Mexicans, uh, Mexican cuisine is a lot of remixing of the same right. thing. Yes. So it's like if you've had. Corn, uh, Mexican corn at a festival, like the street corn. Like yep. street yeah, corn. it's that, but in that Mexican rib, it's life changing. Really, and this place does the butter to lime now, ratio. Now, do you eat the you eat the like the middle part, the core? 
when it's like that? Do you... So no, you don't need the core. It's like like you're eating a rib, like with a bone in rib. Okay, okay, okay. Because I wondered. I saw this on social media, and I always wondered, like, are you are you eating the entire thing? No. No, you're I mean, not okay i haven't seen this i'm trying to visualize this but it's like um a, like a spear like almost like a yes. like a dill pickle okay so you're getting just a fourth of it okay and it, oh, it kind of like curls a little bit the way okay. they cook yeah, it right yeah is it fried it's, uh, no it's not fried it's like, it's, i mean it's just like a they grilled, grilled or something like they grill oh man cut it in fourths so again the taco is banging they have a burrito i i'm a uh i'm usually if i'm really hungry i'm a burrito guy if i'm not so hungry i'm a taco guy right Traditional Mexican tacos are small. We're right. talking like Taco Bell tacos. Right. Um, but the burrito was slamming. But man, stinking ribs. The corn ribs were really incredible. Let's just come back. Now, listen, um, you are one of those very blessed people in that God has called you to be a pastor in an incredible region of the country. Charlotte is awesome, bro. It's my city, bro. Never been. You need to come. Yeah, you need to the go. The food has, and yeah. Kevin attested it. Yeah. In the last five years, well, even ten, Charlotte has stepped into the food scene. Yeah. It's incredible. Around every corner, Korean barbecue. Now, so we're originally from Fort Lauderdale, where there is such a diversity in food. Right. We grew up around good Thai food. Right. We grew mm. up around good Mexican mm-hmm. food, good Brazilian food. Even just Northeast Philadelphia, New York, yeah. you know, delis and, and bagel places. and Yeah, so when I moved to Charlotte 13 years ago, and I'm, I'm outskirts of Charlotte, Common right. Court is where I actually uh, moved to, and now we're in the heart of the city. But when we moved there, one of the things I missed was that diversity of food. Mm. It's no yeah. longer, I no longer miss it. It's every week there's a brand new restaurant coming up. There's a restaurant that, you know, one of my favorite ones have been there. You know, since the 1900s, it's just the old Italian restaurants. Dude, it is. I mean, it's in, in, in a very positive manner. It's like hipsters gone wild, bro. Yeah. It's just like they've been uh, like, like remember, remember we talked last unleashed. week on the millennials? Yeah, they've been like unleashed on the city. Anthony, they take these massive like old uh, industrial warehouses and turn them into gigantic food courts. I love it. It's yeah. Incredible. I it's love high, it. It's expensive. Yeah. And I'm going to go broke. That's <laughs> okay. I've gained a ton of weight. Yeah. But um, I love our city. Before we go any further, um, it's been said that you kind of sound like Lynn Manuel. Can you just say, my name is Alexander Hamilton? <laughs> just real fast. Can you do that? I, I mean, I don't. My name is Alexander Hamilton. I, I, I'm not trying to do an impression right now. <laughs> so but you, you and Lynn Manuel have a few things in common. You're both Puerto Rican. Okay. Right? And um, you both rap. Well, used to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, long, long time ago. That's awesome. Um, Johnny's a freestyle back in the day. Yeah. You get in a circle, bro, and just, he was, um, I used to call you the Puerto Rican Eminem. Really? No, no I never did. Hang and hang. Because we're so old that that was before. Right. Eminem. It was way before Eminem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, um, John has many skill sets and many talents, and he's got uh, just such a great story. Um, and God has done a lot in John's life, and many have come a long way. And, a uh, great friend of mine, and uh, I just thought, man, we have John here. I think one of the things we could talk about that I think people would get quite a bit out of is this concept of empowering creatives. Uh, John is one of these guys. He's he's one of those ultimate kind of creatives. Um, he's your graphic designer. You've got your hands probably in all kinds of things when it comes to marketing and um, you actually studied, did you, you study graphic design or you studied marketing or well, both? So you got to remember when I was in college, uh, there was one computer graphic design school in uh, the south, in the eastern region of the United States and it happened to be in Fort Lauderdale. So 
my actual degree is in computer graphics and design, but back then it included everything from video editing to marketing, but you know, digital marketing right. has transformed in the last five to 10 years. So, but yeah, so yeah, graphic design is actually what's on my degree. I remember when I first met you and I walked into your office and you had everything was Apple that blew my mind. <laughs> like now everybody has Apple this, that, but like back then it was like, was you, deal. you have that computer? You have you have that iPod, right? Like, yeah. It was like magic. I was like, "Whoa, dude! This guy's this guy's crazy." So we've got John here, and and that's that's you know you've also you went from being the guy that makes the sprockets, right, so to speak, to being the guy that oversees people that are are, are making and doing. And um, we know creatives are an interesting group of people. Uh, I, I've said before. Uh, so much of your success can, as a company, as a church, as a business, can really ride or die on on, on what you're getting out of your creatives and, and how you're treating them and um, and creating the right environments and all that. Of course, we have Anthony here as well, who's uh, with me every week on Post Lunch. Anthony's also just uh, just the ultimate creative. I know your mind's always going. You, you, it's it's interesting to see you walk into a room and, and watch you process things sometimes because I know you're already thinking how you can fix something. And I'm not even talking about like Anthony's a great designer, video, short films. I mean, all all that stuff but even just when it comes to even making basic repairs of things and or, or looking at a wall and saying well, what can i do with that white wall and you, you're just both of you guys are just such uh such amazing creatives so i thought it'd be good for us to take some time today and um talk about empowering creatives because both of you have had interns and employees under you um that you are trying to inspire to get some some creative things uh, going so first question i have for you guys is this um what kind of environment stifles creativity and whoever wants to jump in go at it whoa what kind of environment stifles creativity i think that there is something to be said about the like physical space right i mean there are some spaces you walk into like oh i, I could never work in this space or whatever but i think the i think it, i think it kind of transcends even that right like you can put me in a lame looking office place but if like if the morale is low and there isn't like a playfulness or like a, Hey, what if kind of, um, culture that's there? I think that is the ultimate stifling thing for create. So just, for I want to repeat back to you what I think I heard. One is just what the space actually looks like. That's so, like, so like if something's messy, like it's hard to be creative, creative in filth, right? Right. Um, or just clutter. Um, and then also just having a good team component and chemistry. Yes. Like having having those people, not everybody on your team is going to be creative, but if the if the workspace culture is playful and it's inviting and people are they're ready to play when they need to play, but ready to like grind when it's time to grind. You know what I mean? Right. That balance. I think that's like right. boom, the perfect kind of cadence for that. And I think I'm a little different. Just going back to what you were saying, where there's a, a lot of me that. Yeah, I'm very creative, but I think there's an analytical side of me that is, um, I think, activated in kind of the way that I look at a situation or problem solve my way out of something. Because um, I've met some other creatives who who don't think the way that I do. And sometimes I'm like, wait, are you like me or am I different than what the label is? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think the danger when we talk about creatives is that we have a tendency of creating a idea of one picture of creative right um i'm i'm we're sitting in anthony's office right now and i'm looking at his photoshop layers and the way that they're organized they're color-coded and he's got titles on each of them my photoshop layers 
are never color coded and they're all <laughs> untitled. So um, I'm not. I, I think the danger in in some of leading creatives is the idea that one environment fits for every creative. Because mm. to your point earlier about mess, there's some creatives that actually thrive in a little bit of chaos, where others, like Anthony, to his point, to that analytical mindset. He's not going to thrive at all. Um, so I do think when we come to the picture of creatives, we have a tendency of stereotyping and putting putting them <clears throat> in all in one line and form. And I've just learned over the years working with creatives that that tends to be a little dangerous and detrimental. I think um, as much as the environment is important, we also know that some of the most creative people in the world worked out of garages where there was no air conditioning and all they had was a laptop, right? Right. So, specifically what's more important to your point was culture mm. um and and the right culture creatives will deal with an environment as long as the culture is right if what i'm working on what i'm working for energizes me speaks to my heart the environment i'm not saying it's not important and it may lend to sub to optimizing creativity but at the heart of it if that culture is not right you can put a bunch of money have all the equipment in the world and i've been in some design studios and some church structures where they have all the money, they have all the setup and what they're producing is actually not all that creative because the culture is not right. Right. It reminds me, I think we've all been on that meeting, right? That creative meeting when there's, you know, five or six, seven, 10, whatever people around the table <clears throat> and there's some synergy and we're starting to move in a direction and we feel good about it. And then there's that one guy or that one lady that just takes that giant wet blanket, like the kind that was, in the washing machine and mm. hadn't been through the rinse cycle yet. Yeah. And it's just absolutely saturated and just throws it on the table and just completely squashes the idea. Um, we've been there before where like people like you, I've talked to you before, Anthony, we've had people laugh at your ideas. I've had people laugh at my idea in my face in front of other people. Yeah. And I've walked out of meetings and I said, I will never speak up right. again. Right. If you're, if that's, if this is the culture, Right. I don't want to be a part of that. Right. So team is is, is huge. Yeah. I know something that we do is when we have an idea, we start feeling some synergy and we feel good about it. We're like, all right, man, let's do this. We do a thing we call, now let's tuck ourselves out of it. Right. And the reason we do that is because we're trying to poke holes in it. It's like that ethical hacking, right? It's yeah. that like, let's find the holes. And, and so I think that's been something that's been beneficial to us. So, um, okay. What does the ideal boss look like for overseeing creatives? Who do you want to work for? Who does a creative want to work for? Somebody jump in on that one. Yeah, so um, I, I find the, the best way to lead creatives is you have to become the, the interpreter. Um, creatives have a, not all, not all creatives, but most creatives have a hard time communicating. Um, they may be able to communicate with visuals. They may be able to communicate with colors and typography and, 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 and behind cameras. But when it comes to sitting in an office space, not all of them can communicate. Um, I will also tell you that a lot of professionals who are not creative, those who may be a little bit more on the business side of it, they have a tendency of thinking in ways that don't really translate to the creatives. So as a leader in that space, what I've had to learn how to do is clearly communicate on both ends of the spectrum. Mm. Um, one of them is, is like, and this is a constant tension in most groups, is time frame. A lot of the tension revolves around time frame because right. you have a group of people who don't know what it takes 
and then a group of people who have a tendency of knowing what it takes and then sometimes overemphasizing what it takes. So as a leader in that space, you do often play the role of, okay, I have to now kind of span the gap when this guy is frustrated about color theory and the guy on the other table is just mad that it's two months late. I have to spend the time working in both those relationship streams. And it requires to some degree a shepherd's heart of pastoring, even even out and you know, so some of my history is also as a creative director outside the, the church space. And I found myself even pastoring in that space to be able to help people communicate because ultimately Creatives want to be heard just like everybody else. Creatives want to seat at the table just like everybody else. But uh, often there's translation issues. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. I I find myself when I'm kind of in that translator position, you said that very well. Um, There are times where I would be talking to the creatives on my team and they're taking what the... um, what the customer, let's just say customer, right, is asking for as literal. When I was like, I would have to constantly tell them, I was like, they don't know what they want. The The big picture is this. We need to deliver the, the heart of what they're asking for. They'll be like, I want an Instagram thing. I was like, that's not the right tool for what you're right. asking for. And so just having to, you know, translate, I guess, one language to another language, yeah, the, the language of the customer into the language of the producer. Does that make sense? Um, and so I found myself spending a lot of time, I was having to to navigate that role. And I think you said it well, being a translator, you're standing in the gap, bridging bridging the two. I, I also think that that goes beyond even language, but also um, for, for some creatives, um, knowing where they thrive because I also think sometimes we have to kind of loosen up the restraints a little mm. bit when it comes to creatives. Um, I, so I worked at a virtual reality company. This is back in the uh, dark ages. So Microsoft released uh, in partnership uh, a piece of software called You Are There Virtual Reality. And I was fortunate to leave school right about that same time. So I was a creative director for a company in Florida where we had a bunch of creatives that were kind of underneath me developing software, developing the physical side of it, but then also like literally printing DVD, CD-ROMs of virtual reality tours. And one of the things that I had to learn was my programmers um, love to program at 10 o'clock at night till two in the morning. I Mm. don't know what it was. Maybe it was just who they had hired. But what we had to do was we were super deadline oriented. Like I need this project and this part of the project done by Thursday. Mm -hmm. If you're working Tuesday at 2 in the morning, I don't care. Right. If you're working Wednesday at 5 in the morning, that doesn't work in every place. Right. But it does that allowing the creatives that flexibility. Mm. But on the flip side, I'm also working as a translator, being able to communicate to the people who are you know on the other side of the spectrum saying, hey, listen, your product is, is phenomenal. We're hitting these deadlines. Who cares when they work? So working within the scope of not just translating language, but also work habit and the way that people right function really yeah so john you've talked about a little bit how um you need to loosen the restraints a little bit and anthony you've talked a little bit about um having to have good restraints in in place and i would imagine there's a fine line you know you're walking there because um i'm i'm more in the i'm a creative but i'm more like in the writing you know side of things as opposed to like the, the stuff you guys do um i know anthony you've talked about before how hard it can be to um 
give the customer their product when they just said, hey, just design me a cool Easter artwork. <laughs> like, what does that mean with no restraints and no parameters? Talk to me a little bit about like walking that line of wanting some parameters, but then like not wanting to be overburdened. Right. So when I say that um, embrace constraints, that's, a, that's some language that I use a lot, embrace constraints. I think what what John was saying was, um, now if you said come in and make from this time to this time, those are the restraints he's saying to loosen up. Like, I don't want you to tell me when to produce or, gotcha. okay, dance monkey, gotcha. like that type of thing. But for me, if you sat down and said, hey, I'm looking for an Easter artwork that it has flowers in it. Mm-hmm. I want it to be black and white and I want um, an old English font mm-hmm. on it. Now you just gave me kind of a some guardrails to right. make sure I don't go outside of what the the um, the ask was, right? So now I'm not going to make something that's like all flashy colors with like paint everywhere. No, you asked for flowers, right. black and white, and this. So now I'm going to design based on those restraints. That is so helpful for me as a creative to know what are these benchmarks that you're looking for. Um, it, for me, it's the difference between restraints and expectations. And okay. Clearly communicated expectations should be a godsend for creatives. Right. Restraints are dance for me, monkey. For like right. A better term, like this is when it's going to happen versus, hey, by <clears throat> Thursday of next week, we are looking to do this thing. Now, the problem is, again, in that translation mode, creatives have a hard time sometimes communicating what I need. Like, so that's why we were quick to say, expectations is the verbiage we're going to use when it comes to what the actual product is right so when i sit down it um and and still to this day from time to time i'll be working on a project with an outside entity the first kind of couple questions is hey what are you expecting and i'm i'm now as even in the maturation of my personal development of a creative i'm asking those questions I'm not asking you how many social media posts you want. I'm asking, where do you want this to go to? What's the ultimate objective? Yeah. And then on the flip of that, do you have any thoughts about color? Do you have any thoughts about design? Is is there a look you're looking mm. for? I would tell you that most creatives want to be involved in that conversation if we know what the ultimate objective of. We may be able to persuade you and say, hey, you know, that look really worked for this demographic or maybe look right. good for that demographic, but they want to be involved. But it doesn't mean, to your point, that you don't walk away with guardrails. So we are very, I'm a very big believer in, you can do it whenever you want, it just needs to be done at this time. For sure. So those those tasks that are created are clear expectations and guardrails for the creative. So if you're not feeling creative 2 o'clock on a Tuesday, that's fine, but you better find some creativity right. before that Thursday deadline. This reminds me a little, about, a little bit of just building something, right? You guys are building something. Right. If I said, hey, you know, John, go build me a house and you just sort of had no parameters. So we're building a two bedroom, one bath. You want a mansion. Right. If you're building the post lunch. Right. You're building. Hey, just picking up a burger. Well, what does that mean? Right. Do you want mayo? Do you want you want mustard? Do you want mushrooms? You know, whatever. Um, so I think anytime you're building something that that's never existed before. Right. You're building an, an art piece that's never. Right. It's never, it's never existed before. You're going to bring that into existence. So I think that's why those those parameters can be super helpful for sure imagine. absolutely so okay uh, let's have some fun um you can answer one of these are kind of like two different questions but they're it's the same vein what is the worst thing you've ever designed oh uh or or video you've ever created or um you know what's your biggest fail in marketing you know let's have some fun here you can think about something that like just did not go right did not go well um and it could be something that's funny it could be something that just 
caused a stir or a scene in your, you know, art department or with you or people that you're supposed to deliver this to, you know what I mean? Okay. I was on a, um, a tiger team for an event at a church. Mm-hmm. Um, this was going to be a community event. Mm-hmm. We were inviting like our entire city, mm-hmm. like talking like a 10 mile radius mm-hmm. from the church. Everybody's invited to this. Right. <clears throat> Thousands of people. And so, um, you and I happen to always talk about a an event like this. It was a food truck event. Yes, we wanted we wanted to bring in the best food and have bounce houses, and um, we wanted to have face painting. Yeah, we had all that stuff. Car show, all of it. Yeah. Okay, and so we were thinking, what is the best way to market this thing? Yeah, um, and I don't remember who said what. Or whatever, but we ended up naming it the Food Truck Fam Fest. Yes. The Food Truck. Family Festival. Yes, but, but it was Fam Fest. Food Truck Fam Fest. Yeah. When the uh, lead pastor of the church yes. was delivering this name from the pulpit on a Sunday morning. One of my best friends in the world, by the way. He um, happened to... Get the T's and the F's. Yeah, he, he stumbled through it and he called it the Food yes. Blank Fam Fest. Yeah. And and he says, wait, did I just? Yes. And so he tried to correct and said it again. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man. And so I feel like on our side of it. We could have set him up so much better. Yeah. With a better name. Yeah. It, that was that was a hard name. The event was a humongous success. I think the final count was somewhere about 4,000 people came out to that. And we had four food trucks. That is the worst. It was our first time ever doing it. And the the lines were literally an hour plus to get food. Let me tell you something. They, all of those food trucks sold out. They were so happy. They said, Hey, we want to be at the next one, all this stuff. So, um, the design of it was cool. So you're just saying, so the the name was the way that, yeah, the way that we came up with the name, we thought it was cute. Food truck fan fest. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, anything? Any any mistakes? You ever make any mistakes, John? I just, you know, I don't know. I feel like my my last project was always my worst project. That's just kind of oh really, kind of how I navigate. I, I'm a super. When it comes to my creativity, I do tend to be. It's one of the areas of um, I'm a little bit more self. That's the word I'm looking for. I'm not as I'm not as confident in my creativity. And again, that doesn't stop me from producing at a, a high level. But it, it's just never i'm never the guy who's like oh this is the greatest thing ever i'm the guy who's like it's done awesome i i I can tell you literally as a kid i would spend hours drawing something get up from the table the process was so important to me i would be in for hours and then i get up from the table rip it up and walk away and not feel anything because for me the process was the thing so I, on a marketing standpoint, we put a ton of money into a, a box that we had prepared for. Um, we had prepared these boxes for new people. Um, and it wasn't like new people coming to the church. It was like, hey, take these boxes home. And as new people move into your neighborhood, just drop the box off. Right. Mm. And it was, we put, Great a, idea. we put tens of thousands of dollars into this thing, produced hundreds of them. And you walk into most people's houses no. that belong to that church today and they have those boxes sitting in the corner wow. somewhere. Not executed, man. Hey, Not executed well. And they all have these mugs that we had. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, that's awesome. Welcome to the neighborhood mugs. I will tell you, I don't know if you, you've had this yet, but doing work in one area long enough, you walk into a Goodwill and yes. you see your designs on yep. the shelf. That's a little bit like, 
Uh, right. I guess it's also cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you have always said you're your harshest critic. I've said that about myself. Um, and uh, I wanted to give a quick plug. You are at Center City Church yeah, yeah. in Charlotte, West Charlotte. West Charlotte. And um, you're wearing a very cool shirt right now, by the way. I'm very impressed with it. Who designed it. your church merch? Well, I mean, I did. But there you go, bro. I will tell you, like to to your point, though. Uh, again, I designed for all kind of people, branded like four or five churches in the Charlotte region, just friends of mine that mm -hmm. we've done work with. And when it came to designing our own brand, I was stuck. Right. I was absolutely stuck. I actually reached out to Anthony and sent him my stuff. And I love Anthony and I love his approach because he he knows me enough to know that I wouldn't be reaching out if I wasn't stuck. I wanted right. honest feedback. And the first thing out of his mouth was, all this stuff's good, but it's not you. Right. Right. I think for me, one of the biggest design challenges I've had in the last 10, 15 years was designing brand that that fit what God was doing in me. Right. So it was funny because his advice to me was go grab a spray can and go find a piece of wood or something and figure it out. So for those that, that obviously don't know, you're listening, you don't know John. John, I mean, you're a big graffiti artist or you're a graffiti artist. It's something you've done back done in the day. I don't know if and you've done some murals and stuff. Yeah. But I mean, you have a very urban flair to a lot of your art pieces sometimes. Yeah. And I think um, I think that's what we're alluding to is when Anthony saw some of your mock-ups, it was like, but that's not you, bro. Yeah. Right. And then you had, once I gave you that advice to go do that, you like took a picture of something you tagged up. I was like, bro, there. And what you're wearing is the cleaned up version of that tag that you made, which is so freaking cool, man. I literally did the piece on the wall, took a picture of it, showed it to Anthony. He's like, yeah, that's it. Of course, didn't the work that needed to rasterize it. Right. I sent it back to Anthony. And even then, what I love is Anthony's like, it's good, but I, I don't know about this. <laughs> so he made some shifts and changes to it. But I do think uh, if you're creative out there, find good creatives. Like, I, I mm. think creativity mm, is a team sport in For a sure. lot of ways. So. Awesome. Uh, I we got one more question here we can wrestle with, and then we can, we can call this a wrap. Although we do need to talk briefly about why you're here in Orlando. Yeah, yeah. It'll be fine. We'll get to that in a second. But uh, what are some common mistakes that you see churches or businesses do when it comes to marketing? Stuff that, um, man, you just see and you're just like, oh, man, if they just had one guy or one girl in the room that could, you know. I so much. And I was, yeah. I'm trying not to judge. Actually. Right. Like, I'm yeah. trying not to come with a, a judgment. But, but listen, maybe it's, uh, some of those creators are listening and they're like, judge away. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> help me out. Help so me out. You let know. Me, let me probably speak a little bit from a place of uh, just being a little bit older and a little bit further along in the process. Creativity serves a purpose. Um, I am not a fan of creativity for creativity's sake. So Same. hear me when I say that. If the business that you're working with, the church that you're working with, doesn't have an intention to the marketing, it's a fail regardless how it looks. It's like a shotgun approach is what you're saying. Absolutely. So I and, and I 80% of the conversations I have about marketing is, so, so what do you want to do with this? And people are like, oh, this went viral. That's great. I'm glad that you got 15,000 people to look at that video. How are you translating that into butts and seats if right. you're in church or right. uh, ROI if you're a business? Right. Like you put $10,000 into these Facebook posts and gave people nothing to do. Like there's no call to action. There's no way of weighing that call to action. So working in the marketing side for as long as I have as a creative, I do know that I think a lot of creatives focus on pretty and not on the potential of what you're posting. The intentionality. And the intentionality. I'm just trying to put a lot of peas in that. But um, <laughs> at the end of it, 
the value of your creative piece in the marketing space, in the marketing space. So I want to be, if you're creating for creativity sake, then you're an artist and amen. But in the marketing space, some of the ugliest designs would really well intentioned process produce better mm. than some of the pretty stuff that leave people. Right. What wanting. now? Right. Yeah. I find when I'm working <clears throat> with our storyteller here at the church, I I'm asking a question like this all the time. What is the goal? Yes. Right. Yes. Once we can figure out what the goal is for that post or that email thing or whatever, once we can figure that out, then as the producer of content, I can des design the pretty thing. Yes. To tell that story better. It's having what what is that goal? So when I'm scrolling through Instagram and I see like a pastor and his wife and they're like, "Hey guys, just down and out." It's like, "Dude, what?" Like that what do you want me to do here with like going back to it? Like, what is this? Mm -hmm. You know, it, it seems very insider. It was talking like using language that only Christian people would know. It's like, dude, that that's not it. You have to ask yourself, why are you on social media? I ask myself this all the time. Why am I here? And usually it's for entertainment. It's for connectivity with my friends and family, and it's for inspiration. So when I'm creating for social media, for the multiple churches that I'm creating with my own consumability attached to it. Right. Is this something that would be entertaining for me to sit through and watch or to whatever? Is this helping me to connect with one end to the other? Or is this inspiring me to some sort of thing? That's good. If I can answer one of those questions, then I push the, the content. Here's the last thing I'll say. Um, one of the other mistakes is people uh, don't understand the difference between communication and marketing. Right. So specifically in the church world, but even in the business world, customers that I'm trying that already know who we are, people who are already connected to the church, that's communication. Hey, water baptism coming up in a right. week. Hey, we got small groups launching in a week. Right. That's communication. Marketing is, you don't know me, I don't know you, here's what we offer, we would love for you to connect. Sounds like insider versus outsider a little yeah. bit. So I, I try to communicate to churches and businesses. Know who you're communicating to at what platform. We're not using Facebook and Instagram to communicate to our insiders, for lack of a better term. So that's marketing. Right. We, de we develop and lean heavily on email and an app. We also, for lack of a better term here, and I know this is probably a, a term that people are comfortable with, but we train people that if you're looking for communication from our church, you want to know what time the event is, you want to know where, where the baptism is, how to sign up for that retreat. All of that happens on the e via email or via our app. Don't go to Instagram to find out when the family breakfast starts. Instagram is marketing. Our email and our app. Man, that sounds like so like like easier said than done. Absolutely. How many times have we heard and you've heard, John? I'm sure you know. Oh, I didn't know what time the event starts. I went on the the Facebook and the in the Instagram. I didn't see anything, but we have an entire website that has an events tab. It's all right there. And did you read your email? And so it's that. I don't think that and that that training is not something that happens once, right? That's no. that constant. So hey, here's our events tab. Here's what our events tab. Churches have a tendency of doing is getting really excited about a thing and breaking the rule. Right. So, hey, we got this men's event coming. Right. We're super excited about this. Right. This is literally happening right now. We have a phenomenal men's event. We're really excited about it. But I am doing everything I can to remind people that doesn't go on social media. Right. Because right. that I, I'm not trying to get what I keep saying is you want the guy who has no connection to the church coming to an event that he has no idea what he's getting into. 
he's stepping into this event. His first exposure to who we are as a church is this weekend event. First of all, that's crazy. No one's going to sign up for a three-day event with a church they don't know. Like, that just sounds right. crazy to me. Also, it creates a totally different... If a hundred guys come to this event that we don't know, it's a totally different event. It's not the same thing. So that's a fine line that we draw between communication and marketing. Right. That goes to the website. I mean, that goes to our app. That goes to our email. Social media is, hey, we got Sunday going on. This is what it looks like on Sunday. This is what the heart, you know, the heart motive is behind right. Sunday. You, right. You, a place for family, that type. You belong. Those type of uh, messages are what we're sending out. When you're talking about that, I, I just kind of had this image of like, don't feed the alligators. Anytime you get near like a body of water in Florida, either says don't feed the alligators or don't molest the alligators. Still not sure what that second one means right. entirely. Crazy. <laughs> I could probably guess, but uh, never plan on doing that in my life. Um, but don't feed the alligators, right? Because alligators are wild animals, right? They, and, and they they know where to go for their food, right? Yeah. We gotta, they, 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 God put it inside of them. But once we start feeding them, they start getting comfortable going to a place where they should not be getting their source of food, right? right. So I, that's well, kind of thinking that. you also ruin the potential marketing that you have in some of these platforms when you're using it for communication. Right. right. So it's a, it's a mixed bag. And uh, it, it really does require a disciplined um, a disciplined mind when it comes to marketing. I, I do think there's two sides of it. I do think there are events that are worth putting up there because also some people are looking at, oh, what does this church do? So here's my question to people. what are What's the event? What's the event? Right. So define the event for me. And most, what most A family say, cookout. Yeah. So again, it's an outreach. Right. So I'm telling people who don't know the church to come to the outreach. Right. right? Because it's outreach focused. Would you put a women's retreat on that? No. When you no. put a kids event. Hey, we have an event for mm-hmm. our kids on Maybe. Tuesday. Again, if it's to the community. Right. Oh, so, if it's insider. Yeah, right. If that, it's a if it's a Royal Ranger award ceremony, then yeah. probably not. <laughs> again, um, but again, you got your Royal Ranger leader coming to the social media right. department. Like, saying, hey, 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 man, we got this event on Thursday. Let's put that online. I, I want to ask one more question. I just think this is a good one. And, and, and uh, you know, obviously, we sometimes these podcasts are 30 minutes and sometimes they're an hour and 30 minutes, but it's okay. You can turn off if you're done. Um, <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't listen to us anymore. One of the things I have, Anthony and I have always, I think, we've really kind of been a lockstep with is sort of blazing our own trail when it comes to marketing, when it comes to what we're doing. Um, people ask me all the time, you know, what pastors do you listen to? What churches do you follow? I, 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 I have, I've had people ask me, what's your model, you know? And, and I just, I don't do a great job of listening to a lot of pastors. I don't follow a lot of churches. I don't think we have a model. Uh, and I think a lot of that is just me knowing my proclivity to um, seeing something and then beginning to try to duplicate it. Mm. Um, And I see so many churches do the same thing over and over again. And there's a lot of people um, that are out there that have left the church. They're done with the church. They think the church is too flashy, too many lights on stage, you know, lost touch with what the, what the mission is and, and all these things. And I, I actually talked with someone that visited our church and we had people out there in the parking lot holding the sign saying, we're glad to see you. We have the church flags up. Um, you know, we basically are doing church in a way that resembles the churches they've been to in the past. And they're like, oh, well, you're just another one of those churches. But at the same time, how do you let people know you're there if you don't put your flags up, especially if you're portable and you're in a high school? Isn't isn't it a good thing to welcome people and hold a sign up or like a, a big old, you know, uh, whatever Captain America, you know, glove or something, right. saying hello, welcome to church. Whatever it is, isn't don't you want to create a warm environment? So I, I walk that line between 
what looks just churchy and cliche and is outdated? And then what are kind of non-negotiables you have to do when it comes to marketing and welcoming people, even on your your, your Instagram and your, your Facebook? That, do you understand the question? Yes. I think um, I think you have to like deconstruct that a little bit more, right? Like, I think you should welcome people well. Mm-hmm. Whatever that looks like for you and your city. I don't think you need to like, carbon copy what some other church who's seemingly doing well at it like no just welcome people well if that looks like holding a sign and having the parking lot flags and stuff like that great if that looks like when they walk up to the door you have someone who opens the door and says hey welcome to church i'm so glad you're here whatever right because what's the flip side no signs nobody welcoming you yeah like that can't be a win no that's never (laughs) so we went um through a book uh and it's changed my perspective on all this it's called uh steal like an artist Okay. Oh, yeah. Have you read it? Yeah, for like years ago. Yeah. I love that book. So um, I am convinced that all creative acts are a process of inspiration and influence. Absolutely. So if I asked Anthony, who are the five people that influence you the most? He might not have an answer immediately, but hey, well, this designer influences me. I like this brand. I, I follow these people. We never call that stealing. And back in the day, we call it biting. Yeah, right. You never bite. That's not biting. That's right. not biting. But the truth is, if you look at his stuff, there may be even times where I'm like, oh, that looks a lot like, that feels a little bit like. Right. And the difference is how much we shift and change it based off uh, It's influence. The, the, right. The artist's heart, right? So you have influence that's then translated through the filter of the artist's heart. Right. When it comes to business, when it comes to church, I think it's ignorant to ignore what other people have worked to do. It steps backwards. Right. If you have uh, elevated a thing and produced a thing that seems to fit within the scope of what it's going to be helpful to what we're doing, why wouldn't I take inspiration, influence? Why wouldn't I sit down and learn from? With that said, it ultimately needs to be filtered through my local expression and what God is doing in my heart as a leader. So I am not a fan of, I'm going to print this sign just like they printed that sign. Right. I'm not a fan of, we're going to put this up, not because it works for our area, not because, but because another church did it. I'm not a fan of that, so hear me. But to say, we're not going to steal anything, everything needs to be trailblazed, congratulations, you just gave yourself decades worth of work right. for no reason. Exactly. Right. So I, I really have, if you haven't picked it up in a while, that's still like an artist book has so many applications do you think that some pastor somewhere was at a stoplight and saw that guy holding a sign that said like <laughs> mattresses for sale 90 percent off <laughs> Absolutely. that right there we're putting that on sunday but it's gonna say welcome to my church have a seat with me <laughs> and he's just like waving the sign you think that's where it came from maybe i had to had to yeah and why not the like, big the big arrow and he's like doing all the tricks and like uh, yeah yeah, I, I mean, we take inspiration from everything. I, I walk into a coffee shop. I'm inspired by yeah. their layout. I walk into, to your point, you might mention those warehouses. Right. Some of those are constructed. I'm like, man, this would be a great church. If yeah. I, the day that we get a building, I'd love to do that. Mm. You take inspiration from everything. From no, everywhere. No, no reason. Specifically because I believe even in those who create outside the scope of the church, there's a common grace. And beauty is the beauty of God is just in everything. So yeah, why not steal? Like you know that? the the colors that we chose for our branding. Yes, for Authentic Church, mm-hmm. were inspired by a sunset that I saw, and I took a picture with my phone. 
Yeah, you told me that before. And That's was, really cool. And I was like, yeah, we're just... Stop biting God. God, God <laughs> already <laughs> did this. So. Such a God biter. <laughs> well, this has been a great episode, John. Thank you so much for being with us, man. Uh, the reason you are here with us is because you and I are going on what I'm referring to as a walkabout. That's uh, great. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be... I pack shoes for that. But... <laughs> well, we're not going to be in Australia, but we're going to be in Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> Put another shrimp on the bobby. <laughs> Um, we're bringing my scooters. We got electric, electric scooters. Let's we rented an Airbnb, just me and my boy, John. Uh, our friend Kanata is going to join us. We've talked about Kanata on the show before. He's going to join us for a day or two. Your cousin Lewis may pop in. We might see him. Uh, so we're all in our forties now. And it's like that movie. Yeah. With, with like, who was in that? Steve Carell and all those guys that got together and like had a vacation or something. Yeah. Like Adam Sandler, yeah. David Spade, Chris yeah. Rock. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. What was that movie called? I don't know. But it's it's kind of like that, but like a spiritual version of that. Oh, okay. So John and I are going to. Grown ups. ups yeah. John and I are looking at breaking out the. Um, How old are we that we're not doing a walkabout? We're doing a scootabout. We're doing a scootabout. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're not the scooters that like they have at Disney, like the people that ride those. They're like, they're cool. Yeah. 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 That's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> but it's called, we're like we're like blocks from the beach, Fort Lauderdale Beach, we're down by Las Olas. Um, but man, we're going to be whiteboarding <clears throat> and really um, being creative and, and, and spending some time really seeking the Lord for vision uh, for Center City Church uh, in Charlotte and also for Authentic Church here uh, in the Winter Springs area, Orlando area. And uh, man, I'm just really excited. We got an Airbnb. We're going to be kicking it, eating really good food. Um, and we're going to ca- catch up with a couple old mentors probably. And um, so it's going to be a really good time. I am super pumped. So that's why John's here. You got any thoughts on that? You good? Ready? Um, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. It's going to be fun. So as soon as we, as soon as we finish up here, we're going to start making our way down to uh, Lottie Dottie. Yeah. Thanks for having me as your first guest. I feel yes. privileged to be on the, you know, the the the, the inaugural ten episode. Yes. The X episode. Yes. Maybe we'll ring you back for the twentieth. I'm oh, in. wow. That'd be great. Every 10. Every 10. That would be awesome. 10, 30, 40, I'm in. So um, one thing you missed is um, you didn't miss. Well, you, did, you were on a plane, so you did technically kind of miss it. <clears throat> I know you were following along on your phone, but the Eagles um, did beat the 49ers yesterday. Handily, by the way, as somebody yeah, said. Yeah, it was. So, Anthony, you and I have a big discussion that began about the third quarter. Once we knew the Eagles were going to, they yeah. were securing this. And, and, and you even turned the game down a little bit. Not much, but a little bit. A very little bit because it was time to start talking menu for the Super Bowl. And that is a fantastic <laughs> conversation that we started. Yes. Yeah, so I have always said uh, Super Bowl is one of the top, at least top five food holidays of the year. And you, I asked you a a question that I ask a lot. Right. I, I always say, hey, what's the budget for this event or whatever? Right. And you looked at me, <laughs> stone cold face, yes. and you said, there is no budget. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we're having, um, what is it, A7 Wagyu steaks <laughs> at $275 yes. a ribeye. No, um, probably cheesesteak sliders, some wings. I talked to my sister last night. Uh, she called me, and her first thing is like, all right, so what's on the menu? Yeah, she's <laughs> so, also a big foodie. Yes, and so is her Your husband, Jeff. Family. I think Jeff is coming, too. Oh. We're going to throw down. This is going to be one of the greatest events of all of our lifetimes. 